Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manu Weff and it's almost World Cup time. This means we're going to do things a little different. Of course, we had the three podcasts in the, in the last three weeks previewing everything you need to know about this World Cup. But this week, um, I want to do things very different. So I brought on Football Grad writers, friends of Football Grad to tell us about their most favorite event at the World Cup, their least favorite event at the World Cup, and what they are looking forward to for this tournament. And my first guest to discuss this with is Matthew Barrett from GoldClick. Matthew, uh, GoldClick, we have worked together in the past. It's a great project that you have there. Uh, give us a really quick synopsis of what this is, what it is all about. Sure. So GoldClick is a global football photography project um, with a a mission to help people understand each other through football. So uh, it started with us finding one person in every country in the world, uh, sending them a disposable analog camera uh, and asking them to tell a story about their country uh, through the lens of football. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're currently active in around 90 countries and we've just done a big Russian project ahead of the World Cup, uh, working with uh, Russian photographers from all over the country, I guess, documenting the real Russia through football stories so uh yeah that's 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 what uh i get up to <laughs> and it's at gold click right that you can be found on twitter and goldclick.com it, it is it's goal hyphen click.com um and at gold click on instagram and at goal underscore click on twitter fantastic stuff but um that's not all i need you and i need to ask you what is your most memorable moment at the world cup Matt? because you're going to russia but before you go there, what's your most memorable moment so far at the World Cup? I am going to Russia. Very much looking forward to it, and we'll come on to that a bit later. But um, being uh, an Englishman who was born in 1986, um, the first World Cup I remember is 1994, uh, and we weren't even there. So um, finding my best moment, uh, given those um, factors, is actually quite tough. Um, so what I'm going to go for is a glorious failure. Um, and that's 1998 uh, and a match against Argentina uh, that we lost on penalties. But I actually have very fond memories of the game because England played quite well. Uh, and it's maybe the only time in my living memory that we've genuinely played a good match in a knockout stage in a World Cup. So that's what I'm going to go for. And I think specifically the moment at which Michael Owen scored his goal to put us 2-1 up uh, early in the first half before everything unravelled with David Beckham and Ince and Batty's penalties. Um, really, I think, is a is a high point in my memory of, of World Cup football. Uh, it was probably the, the one time that, um, you know, hope really was present uh, that England could go on um, and have a famous victory uh, and yeah, just that moment when he scored such an amazing goal. You don't really expect it from an English person and an English striker in a major tournament to take apart a world-class team uh, like he did. So uh, that is my favourite moment and very fitting that it ultimately was a glorious defeat. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that game very well. Um, and of course, David Beckham being sent off and the scandals um, afterwards. The, the English press absolutely ripped into the poor guy. And I that golden generation that you had at the time really should have done much better than they did 
Um, that's that's definitely one of the things that I remember about this 1998 World Cup and the the English team. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting that you chose that as your most memorable moment. Um, I'm kind of interested now. What's your least memorable <laughs> moment? If that is your favorite <laughs> moment at the World Cup. <laughs> We'll come to that momentarily, but it's interesting you say golden generation. Actually, um, having looked at my um, favourite and least favourite moment, which are in consecutive World Cups, um, you know, 2002 is is always meant to be the time at which we did have that so-called golden generation. But actually, looking back at 1998 and looking back at uh, the way the team was set up, um, and you know, with three at the back, <laughs> um, which is obviously now all the rage again. Um, you know, we were, England were playing probably quite progressive football compared to, um, you know, what maybe we seem to remember. Um, and the team is, is full of great names. So really wonder whether 1998 was, um, has actually been overlooked uh, a little bit as, um, one of England's best chances of, of success. But yeah, I will, um, happily tell you about. <laughs> My least favourite moment, uh, which happens very quickly after. Well, uh, yeah, let us hear it. I'm really curious now. <laughs> so 2002, I'm going to set the scene. At this stage, I was 15, um, coming up to 16. And in England, at that age, we have what we call our GCSEs, uh, which are uh, the first real proper exams we ever have to do. Uh, and you'll also remember that South Korea, Japan, World Cup, the time zones were... Um, different from what they usually are, and all the games were kicking off very early. Uh, so England's quarterfinal with Brazil uh, in June 2002 um, clashed neatly with my GCSE physics exam. Um, and luckily our school was uh, fairly enlightened, um, and it showed the match um, before school started. So God, it must have been a 7.30 kickoff. Um and if you start doing the maths, you'll realise that that meant at about 60 minutes in, all the people who do uh, go and do a very boring physics exam. Uh, two minutes prior to that, um, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho rather, had been sent off, having just scored his um, fluky goal past David Seaman. Um, so we actually never watched uh, England's whimper of a performance, so I hear, um, where we couldn't break down the 10 men of Brazil. Um, so my least favourite moment is being in an exam hall, writing about physics, while looking at the teachers at the front of the um, the hall, uh, not showing any signs that England had scored a second goal to equalise. Um, so yeah, that, that for me is a real low moment, knowing that your team is going out, um, but not even being able to to watch it. Um, especially how that game had gone about uh, with, you know, great hope uh, with Owen scoring um, and then it gradually being extinguished by Rivaldo, Ronaldinho um, and then um, the English school system. <laughs> oh, that's grueling. <laughs> I, I remember that World Cup quite well because that was my first year in Canada and uh, kickoffs were usually 4.30 in the morning. And I got up for, for every single one of the Germany games. And Germany, of course, went to the final, even though we had no business being there. The England team was actually much better than the German team. So I remember that World Cup quite well for 
um, going to grade 11 high school and not having enough sleep to sit through my, my very own exams. I did pass everything. I actually had very good grades, but yeah, I remember that World Cup very well. Um, and it, I actually have probably more po positive memories of it than you do because that sounds really grueling. Finally, Matt, um, what are you looking forward to the most? I know you are going to be in Russia for the second half of the tournament, but what are you looking forward to the most for this World Cup? I am looking forward to some underdog stories. Uh, I think there's a really nice set of stories that can potentially emerge from this World Cup. I think that it's always tempting to think the big teams will go through. Um, but, you know, we were just talking about 2002 and you look at the the last 16 and the, the final eight of that tournament uh, with teams you know, such as the United States and South Korea and Turkey and Senegal. Um, I think this tournament could also throw up quite a few surprises. Uh, I would really like to see Peru do well. Uh, I have a, a soft spot for them. Um, I'd really like to see Iceland do well, and I think they will. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to uh, Iceland and Croatia maybe dumping Argentina out of the tournament early doors. Apologies to any Argentina yes, fans. Yes, um, <laughs> And uh, I know this is a slightly odd thing to say. Uh, people won't expect an Englishman to say this, but uh, I actually kind of hope Russia uh, do better than people expect um, and get out of their group because... Um, you know, a World Cup without a host nation in the final, um, in the last 16, um, I think always lacks a little bit. Um, so I think it's important for the World Cup for the underdogs to do well um, and the host nation to do well. Uh, so that is really what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to surprises. Um, I think there's a lot of tough, tougher groups than people think. From an England perspective, um, and this narrative has been slightly lost, I think. We have never had, on paper, an easier um, group and last 16 match. Um, and I know that normally uh, precedes glorious failure as, as usual. But um, it's a real chance for England to get to the quarterfinals and then who knows what happens. Um, I like that expectations are low, um, but it really... <laughs> It really is a good opportunity um, for the team uh, to do better than everyone thinks. Um, so, and even that is kind of in the underdog narrative. Mm. So, for yeah. me, I'm looking forward to uh, smaller teams and teams that have been written off proving people wrong. Oh, you are actually England is actually my underdog of the tournament. You, you are, yeah. yeah. It's it's really it's been really hard to, for me to out of those words at times as a German, but <laughs> I actually have you uh, on paper. Um, I think it's maybe a stretch for England to win it, but I think England will do quite well because there's a lot of young players, a good generation coming up, and um, things are moving in a way better direction in terms of Eng English youth development than they have for years. And I think <laughs> we will see the first signs of it at this tournament. But yeah, unfortunately... Our time is up, Matt, and I have to move to our next guest. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been great, and uh, we'll definitely have to bring you back on throughout the tournament. And uh, make sure for everyone listening to follow Matt, for check out GoldClick. It's it's a fantastic project. We're going to have a feature on GoldClick very soon again on footballgrad.com as well. So, yeah, thank you once again, Matt. Thank you, Manny. So, my next guest, and you all will know him from the Football Grad. He's a regular Football Grad writer. 
He has uh, some very interesting things planned for Russia, so I'm sure that will be um, part of the things that he's looking forward to the most. Andrew Flint. Andrew. Bye. How are you? <laughs> I know you're probably just as busy as I am um, getting ready for this tournament. Um, you're starting <laughs> from the other end. You're starting from the east. I'm coming in from the west. I can't wait to meet up in person. But let's talk about your favorite World Cup moment of all time. Let's hear it. You know, you know, Manu. It's it's interesting, interesting hearing what Matt had to say um, about his least favorite moment because it's the exact same match that is my favorite moment. Um, you know, he he and I were very similar ages. I also had exams at the time, and I I managed to make sure I could watch the whole game and um, the quarterfinal against Brazil in two thousand and two, because like Matt mentioned. It was a really, genuinely quite an exciting England team. There was a lot of confidence confidence behind them. But the reason I it was my favourite memory is because my one of my tutors at school actually agreed to give us a full fry-up for breakfast. He, he cooked at his house. We had champagne breakfast. And he even agreed to cover for me for missing lessons in the morning. Um, and... It's like Matt. It's like Matt mentioned the glorious failure. This is the English hallmark of the last few decades, and nothing sums it up more than that generation for me. Because the players that we had, with um, you know, when John Terry was still is still a relatively young player, Rio Ferdinand was pure class at the back, and we had the likes of Gerrard and Lampard. Rooney was um, still a long way off at that. Well, I say a long few years off, but we had we had a really really exciting team. Um, so. I still cling on to the positive side of the glorious failure. So that's why, for me, Brazil quarterfinal in 2002. It's interesting that both you and Matt have glorious failures as your favorite moments. <laughs> <laughs> this is all we've got. This is all we've got to cling on to at the moment. <laughs> that's, uh, it's really interesting. I'm really curious um, if you're going to pick 1998 as your least favorite moment, Andrew. Or is it going to be something completely different? <laughs> no, no, I, I couldn't do that. No, 98 as a whole tournament was really the first tournament that I paid close attention to. And I remember, I, you know, I really got into the sticker albums, the wall charts and, mm. and discovering players because that was still a time. I don't man, I don't know what your experience of, of the mid to late 90s was. But for me, it was a time when you really could discover players and yeah. teams that you really had never seen before. Now, of course, you can see everything on YouTube, Twitter instantly. But then, you know, even the bigger countries, I was still learning. And that was why I loved France 98 as a tournament as mm. a whole. Um Least favourite moment for me uh, was 2010. Um, I mean, the tournament was just dire beyond belief. Um, and I, I had the misfortune to endure Mr. Capello again when he took charge of, of Russia a few years ago. So I've had to suffer Capello international management twice, which is not pleasant, I can assure anybody. But for me, the moment was, well, it was Algeria... Nil-nil in the group stages. It was about as depressing as life can get, and that's coming from an England fan. Um, and there was a moment in the second half when ITV's coverage just cut out, and for about five minutes, nobody in the country um, could see. And you, the, this is why it was my least favourite moment. Not just because it was depressing, that was bad enough, but I looked and I got the sense that nobody was really sure if they actually even wanted the coverage to come back on or not. It was so bad. Um, 
And I thought, is this really what the World Cup has come to? I, I missed out on the the classics of you know Italian ninety and and mm. the you know the Bobby Robson England teams that were just absolutely fantastic to watch. Um, I missed out on that as a first hand experience. And yes, we had the glorious failures that I mentioned. Two thousand and two was was a good memory for the team. But my word, that Algeria game was just it was depressing, money, utterly depressing. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned Algeria because that was probably my least favorite moment of the 2014 World Cup when we had them in the round of 16. And I remember watching that game on a television set uh, in Canada on a on a lonely island because we were sailing at the time. And uh, there was a couple other Germans in the bar and I, I, I walked to the bathroom and it's like, this, this bunch of nuts is never going to win the World Cup. I was wrong, but uh, <laughs> it was also Algeria. Algeria seems to be... Um, there seems to be a bit of a story here that Algeria produces some of the most depressing moments <laughs> in World Cup games. Yeah, I will agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not exactly fair to to the Foxes, but um, that's it seems to be a common narrative there. Now, Andrew, we're going to spend a lot of time together in the next four weeks. Um, at least I hope so. Um, and I have certain things that I'm really looking forward to at this tournament. And we'll get to that at some point throughout the podcast. But what are you, all the things that you are looking forward to the most? Oh, God, you know, it's, um, it's very hard to get, to get my head around what it is I'm looking forward to most. This is, I mean, Manny, this is what we've been building up to for, for eight years. And mm. I moved, when I moved out here, it was a few months before the tournament was actually announced in Russia. And then it was. And I thought, my word, I can't believe this is happening. That was eight years ago. Now we are two days away from this tournament starting, and it is just I, I can't I can't quite conceptualize that I'm gonna be here in a country that I now know very well on the ground for for a World Cup tournament. This is is mad. I think what I'm looking forward to the most, Manny, though, if I have to say something, it's going to be watching the fallout from the World Cup of foreigners coming to the country that I now call home and seeing what Russia is really like. I mean, I'm not ever going to cover up the problems because there are significant problems in Russia. Um, but what I hate is how all the positives of the people, the character, the history, the culture of the country are just airbrushed out of the picture to suit a narrative that people um, make money from, shall we mm. say. They, they sell the headlines and, it, and it's that's their job in a sense, but it's depressing that people can't be open-minded enough to to look both ways. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how people will realise, you know what, Russia is an amazing country. Yes, there are problems. Um, I'm not even going to comment on the politics because that's not my area, but the people and the country, that's what matter. And I'm looking forward to people seeing that and, and actually starting to change, perhaps, their outlook on the country. Yeah, that's that's possibly one of the things that I, I'm looking forward to as well. And I, I've mentioned this many times on various things, various uh, talks and articles that I've done ahead of this tournament. So um, I'm 100% in agreement with you on that one. And it will be fascinating to watch. But yeah, Andrew, um, I'm looking forward to just to, to finally hang out again. Uh, we had some great memories in the past and then we'll make some new ones during this tournament. And thank You're you welcome. very much. Thank you very much for coming on. And we'll, of course, have our regular podcasting schedule with you on as a regular throughout the tournament as well. But yeah, for now, um, Andrew, Andrew Flint, everyone, please make sure to follow him on, on Twitter, Andrew My Flint. 
uh, is his Twitter handle. He's doing a lot of good stuff uh, throughout this tournament, and we'll make sure that you will find it uh, at Football Grad Live as well. We're, we're going to make sure it's going to be retweeted, etc., so that you can have an easy access to it because it's uh, he's a phenomenal guy, a phenomenal reporter, and uh, his stuff is just going to be amazing. Well, thank you once again for coming on, Andrew. Cheers, Manu. Cheers. Thank you. All right. Well, we got Andrew and Matt in the box. My next guest I'm catching at an airport in Greece, I believe. Thomas Farines, you are heading to Russia at the moment. You're about 24 hours ahead of my schedule. Actually kind of incredible considering that it's usually the other way around. Thomas, how are you doing? Are you at the airport in Greece? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to the, to the World Cup, man. It's uh, quite exciting. And to be honest, like, yeah. It feels weird to arrive somewhere on time and before you. Mm. It's weird. It is weird. Yeah. Well, we, we can't let that. It's, it's not possible. But anyways, Thomas, we have, we don't have that much time. So let's just, just jump into the, into these, this podcast. And, uh, the first question that I'm asking everyone coming on, your favorite World Cup moment of all time. So I'm, I have to pick the 94 World Cup. Uh, I was six year old. It was very late. I was in France in the summer and I will never forget, um, a couple of moments uh, in that World Cup, especially because the final was on my birthday and it was the first game I was allowed to watch on TV. Um, but my favorite moment is still when Bebeto scores. Mm -hmm. uh, now I, I don't remember against who and he does the classic celebration of the baby. Yeah. I think that I did that for months, this <laughs> celebration when I was playing football as a kid and may, maybe even years. And that was definitely my, my favorite moment uh, overall. Like I, I thought of many World Cups uh, since 94, which is the first one I remember until the last one. Um, I've had many, many good memories, but I, that's the best one for me. Uh, and 1994 is also really my first real World Cup. Ni I remember the final in 1990. Um, 1990, of course, was 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 a weird year in Germany because of the reunification, right? So I remember that quite vividly, but I don't remember the rest of the tournament really well. 1994 was the was the first one for me with all the Panini sticker albums. Of course, I've grown out of that, and uh, the, the following the team, etc., etc., etc. So 1994, um, that was also the first time I was really made aware of um, Brazilian football. And uh, yeah. I, I, you know, as you know, I like Brazilian football quite a lot. That yellow shirt, and uh, it wasn't just Bebeto, it was also Romario, that that setup of Bebeto and Romario. And they would do that uh, celebration together with the baby celebration. There was a third one yeah. as well, right? They would run, walk up, run up to the fans and do the, the whipping of the hands. Um, yeah. Who was the third one, I, Thomas? Um... Yeah, hey, you, you got me. I think it's, I think it was Zinho or Branco. I don't remember now. I think it was But Branco. it's quite interesting. I, it's the interesting fact is like Mateus, mm -hmm. the son of a better that was born during the World Cup. Actually, nowadays he plays professional football in Europe, if I'm not wrong. Last time I checked, he was playing in Portugal. Uh, it's hilarious how like, I mean, it would be fantastic if he was playing for the national team. Imagine like 20 years after, like 24 years after uh, being in the national team where, where your dad played and yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic memory, I think. It is. But unfortunately, we have to now talk about your least favorite memory and knowing you quite well. I have a hunch of what it could be, but, um, go, go ahead. Say it. 
I think I'm going to surprise you. I, I hope so, because otherwise I will have to point it out. <laughs> <laughs> my 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 worst my worst memory in the World Cup actually comes back to 2014, obviously, mm-hmm. but it go, it goes back to to the game between Algeria and Germany. Oh, If, interesting. Yeah, because I really thought that Germany could lose against Algeria. And there would not be a seven-one, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually my worst memory in, in ever in football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can go much worse than that. Um, I think that is probably my favorite moment in football. Um, it was even better than the final, but of course, I have a very different perspective than you did. Um, yeah, Algeria was. Is actually one of my least favorite moments um, of the World Cup um, in general. It's not my least favorite moment, but it's one of those moments where I was like, I just said this to Andrew because he, he mentioned an, an Algeria moment himself, Algeria against England 0 0. And, uh, and um, yeah, as I pointed out, um, Algeria seems to have that ability to really upset uh, big countries. And uh, I, I feared for Germany in that game quite a bit. Um, but yeah, that that seven-one. Uh, I think everyone in the world who's into football will remember where they were when Germany put seven past Brazil. And, yeah. Um, it's in a, in some ways. I mean, the the fallout has been incredible from it, and um, we'll, we'll probably never see it again. Something like this no. happening, and um, I think a lot of people have it as their favorite or the least favorite moment at the World Cup. Um, but yeah. Thomas, you are on your way to Russia. I, I can't yeah. wait to hang out. Um, it's it's going to be so great. We're going to have so many people that we know at this tournament. But this is about you. What are you looking forward to the most at the World Cup? I mean, it's this is a, the first time I go to a World Cup. I missed the World Cup in my home country in in 98 because I was too young and nobody in my family likes football like I do. Mm-hmm. I missed the World Cup in, in my other country, Brazil, in 2014 because I was working at the UN. And now like I have this amazing opportunity of going to work in the World Cup and to to actually travel around Russia. I'm really looking forward like to discover more. And yeah, I mean, the, the World Cup itself, it's going to be amazing because you watch football and I'm going to go to the stadium and everything. But actually, the thing I'm looking uh, forward the most is actually to feel the the way that Russians will be. Because last year, it, you remember that, I mentioned it to you, it mm. didn't seem like there was an international tournament. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to see like people from different countries coming in and like celebrating together. I, I don't know, I think that I, I'm looking forward to, to see how the fans are going to react in during the tournament. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. A Comfort Cup is, of course, not the same as a World Cup, right? And, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think you're quite right. I saw some pictures yesterday from Red Square with many, many people. Of course, people have been arriving now for days. It seems like a slow trickle. Everyone around the world is is going to this event, right? And it's it's really yep. interesting seeing Twitter kind of come to life of all the people arriving. You're dra- traveling uh, today. I'm going to be traveling tomorrow, and um, yeah, I think it, it's going to be fascinating. And of course, I think 
Um, it's going to be interesting meeting new people, but also people that we have known for a long time. I think that's going to be yeah. something really fantastic. And it seems to be it seems to be almost like a get together, doesn't it, Thomas? Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's the it's the biggest party of football in the whole world. It's like I remember the Euros, which mm -hmm. was the first the first tournament, international tournament that I covered. And I remembered how, like, the people who were in the street celebrating, it's summer, it's like, you're having a beer, you're having chats, you chat with people you've never seen and never will see, and, like, because you share this amazing thing that is football, and you have so much conversation, like, how was your team this season, how was, like, how's this player from your national team? It's just incredible. I mean, you know me, you know how, like, I believe that the, the, the power of football... Yeah. Um, can be used for the betterment and like to create bonds between people. Like I use this in my daily life as my job. Yeah. And so this time I'm not going to be the one making the bonds. I'm going to be the one bonding and that's <laughs> going to be great, man. Yeah. It's going to be fantastic. Well, Thomas, I'll see you in your few days. Have safe travels. Good luck, uh, getting your, get your surviving in Russia without me. It's going to be hard for 24 hours, but I'll be, I'll be there <laughs> soon. <laughs> Thank you, Manu. Safe travels to you too, man. Yeah, see you very soon. Well, that was Thomas Farines, everyone. Make sure to, to check his project out at Aniko on Twitter and then, of course, at Thomas Farines on Twitter. Looking forward to the World Cup. Cheers. Bye-bye, buddy. Bye. Okay, over to my next guest. And my next guest is a new voice on the Football Crowd podcast in Rick Joshua. Rick, you're a bit of a German football fanatic, aren't you? I think you can say that. Yeah, I think uh, pr pretty much going on for the last 40 odd years, uh, running a website on it as well. I think fanatic is probably a good way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> and you're supporting Bayern, right? Well, Indeed, to, I do. Yes. Uh, we have to talk about that part a little bit and maybe in a future podcast, Rick. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm from that other side of Munich. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah those, those lot. No, okay. that, that lot. Less yeah. said about that, the better, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think on today we can leave the band out because it is really just about the World Cup. The World Cup is going to start in two days. And I'm going to ask you the same question as I have asked all the other guests that have on, on the podcast. And the first question is, of course, your favorite memory in World Cup history. Floor is yours. Right. Okay. I, th I think, you know, being a Germany fan, it, I mean, it's really, really difficult because you're having to pick from so many things. So I'm saying I'm looking at so many things, 1982 memories from 86, the 1990 final, 2014 final, of course, the 7-1 against Brazil. But to me, my favorite World Cup moment, I don't know if uh, it just affects me in some way. It's that second round match in 1990 against the Netherlands. Beating them 2-1 and forget the even the Rudy Fuller incident and uh, Frank Reichard. It's that moment where Gita Buchwald put in that cross and Jürgen Klinsmann scored that opening goal. That, to me, is probably my favourite World Cup moment. If you were to bottle it all the way down, just to just to one one moment. The moment where I describe where Buchwald was better than Johan Cruyff. The way he did the little step over, the little feint and that perfect cross, which Klinsmann finished. Yeah, that that that's it for me, really. That is my World Cup moment, I think. Rick, Out of so many. <laughs> Rick, it's interesting that you say 1990, and it really shows the, the different uh, generations because we had 1994 already, we had 1998, we had 2002, um, we have even had 2014. So this is the earliest we've gone back. But, I mean, you mentioned times like 1982, um, there's, I mean, there's so many Germany World Cup moments and 1990, 
uh, I said earlier in the podcast already is really the, I only remember the final, um, because I was very young. It was only six years old. So for me, the, mm -hmm. the big memory, of course, was the final. And there was so much going on in Germany at the time, right? Because of reunification, of course, the wall yeah. came down and it was, it was not the first tournament that we won by a unified team, but it kind of felt like it in some ways. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that you pick that particular game because, um, I remember, of course, seeing the pictures of, um, Reichardt spitting into Fuller's hair. Um, disgusting incident. So, but it's interesting to pick that and pick that over any one of those moments where, where Germany have won it because there's been many occasions where Germany have won it. Um, that gets us to the next question. Your least favorite moment, Rick. Again, you know, Germany going, playing so many World Cup finals, uh, tournaments, so, so many important games. In the same way, you can have a short list of fantastic moments. There's also a short list of really horrid moments as well. So if you were to, again, if I was to get provided with a short list before I get to the one that really hurt me the most, 2006 against Italy, I mean, that was mm. horrible. 1998 against Croatia, I mean, that was, uh, that was a weird one. Oh, and, yeah. But for me, the worst one was 1994, Bulgaria. <laughs> that was a game against a team that we'd expected to uh, beat and beat handsomely. They weren't that great. This was a team that got absolutely hammered by Nigeria in the group stage. A couple of great players, but we weren't expecting much from them. And we go and lose 2-1. And do you know what made it even worse? That was my birthday. No! Yeah. So... <laughs> July the 10th, 1994, that was my 23rd birthday. And this was before the age of mobile phones. Yeah. And what made it horrible was, like, if it was today, I'd just get a whole series of text messages from people. You know, yeah. those standard gloating text messages. I'll just turn my phone off. Yeah. This was before the mobile phone era. Oh. So I was getting these phone calls on the main line, and my parents were picking it up and uh, expecting that to be birthday wishes. Yeah. <laughs> it was just people laughing, saying, Bulgaria, Bulgaria. You're Dan Lechkov. <laughs> <laughs> and up, for that reason, I will never forget it. That is the worst moment for me. Up to this on day. On so many levels. Up to this day, I will not understand why Ike Hessler was in that wall. Why? Mm. Why was, yeah. why did they pick the running meter to stand in that wall? Um, I, I, I think mean, there's so many things. There's Hessler being in that wall. Yeah. There was that little bit of misfortune when there was a second goal. You know what? Was he interfering with play? Blah, blah, blah. All, all of this. It could have been 2 0. It could have been all over. It's, I think, too, oh, yeah. Rick, that, that moment, that particular game is a very good warning for all boys going to the World Cup right now. Um, because they, they, the 19, of course, the, 1990 and 1994 generation feels very similar to the 2014 and 2018 generation, doesn't it? And uh, we're sending a very good very team. Much so, yeah. I think this, this was a team that was shortlisted yeah. to win many trophies. Yeah. And uh, it, it, yeah, it does, it does sort of feel the same way. I think you had a greater level of confidence now than you perhaps did back then because there were a few shaky games in 94 in the opening group stage. But again, it really does... Uh, it, it, yeah, you could say it does feel much the same way. Yeah. So the, the weights of expectation on the team. A good warning, perhaps a very good warning, which gets us to my final question: What are you looking forward to the most at this particular World Cup? Well, the, there's there's the obvious. There's a uh, there's a fifth World Cup crown, I think, for, <laughs> for for Germany to win. But really, what I'm looking forward to is, uh, I think, 
to be a, so for it to be a great tournament because every time the World Cup comes around, there is this thing you could you could say its luster has sort of dimmed a little bit. It's a compared to say the eighties when mm. I think I think it's pretty much a generational thing. You 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 watch these uh, tournaments when you're a kid. I think you enjoy it more. Now there's a far more analytical approach to it. It's less fun based. I think you're looking at it more seriously. But I'm overall I'm looking at something that I could say in a year's time, in four years' time, I could pick out maybe a good half dozen moments to talk about. And it and it doesn't necessarily have to be about Germany. There are there are other great moments that other teams provide. Like for again, for example, I look at nineteen ninety again, another one that stood out. Uh, Rene Gita's gaff, Roger Miller. Mm. I mean, th- th- these are the moments that I remember from 1990, and this is what makes that tournament so great for me. So I just hope 2018 works out the same way. It has lots of these memorable moments, these uh, these little snapshots that you could uh, talk about uh, five, ten years into the future. I think that's really what I want to see. And also for to Russia to show that it could uh, host a great tournament and be a good stage for the game. I think uh, that, that'll be another good reason as well another thing to look forward to yeah i absolutely agree and i mean there's so many great moments in world cup history and sometimes it's just a photograph something little like james rodriguez and the grasshopper right at the 2014 world cup yeah like that that. yeah like that you you forget about it unless you saw it and it was there and you saw that that big bug on his arm yeah Yeah, i mean it's, it's those little things that uh become memorable it's incredible how they how big of importance they almost play at the folklore for World Cup, isn't it? And I mean, yeah, it's it's just fascinating. We remember, of course, his goal that he scored in the round of sixteen, that amazing goal, Hamas's goal. Um, but we also remember the grasshopper yeah. and uh, the scene of all the grasshoppers in that stadium. It's just, yeah, it's it's really it's really fascinating how that's such a big part of the the folklore of a World Cup. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, and of course, when you talk about two thousand fourteen again, it's not so much what happened on the pitch. Mm in that fantastic semi-final it's the scenes off it as well it's those faces that you saw in the crowd that you can say that that was another defining moment in the 2014 tournament it's those faces of those brazilian fans as each goal went in you you could see the first this look of discontentment and then upset and then annoyance and then all of the tears i think that that was another picture that i take out of that tournament as well of course there was the game itself, which was fantastic, but it's those snapshots from off the pitch as well. I, I love that. That's, that's a great one. Well, Rick, thank you so much for coming on and um, sharing those memories and those uh, those hopes with us. So um, hopefully we'll get you on to, to chat about the 1860 and Bayern rivalry in the near future. But for now, thank you again for coming on. Thanks a lot as well. Cheers. Well, great stuff. Now, to my final guest of the show, and this is kind of fun because usually he is the host, and this time I get to host him. Bryce Dunn, you will, of course, all know him from the Gegen Pressing Podcast and the Golazzo Show. Bryce, how are you Hello. doing? I'm Hi. pretty good, pretty good. It's, it's been a long day, but I have been looking forward to this and I'm looking forward to the World Cup as well. Very exciting. I'm a little bit jealous you're going and I'm not. Oh, well, you can't have it all in life. Um, no. no, not at all. I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll send great pics, I promise. And maybe I'll even bring back a souvenir. 
Oh, that would be pretty good. Well, you're always very good at sending photos, but they do nothing but make me jealous, eh? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. No great photos for buffets, so, um, <laughs> you know, Andrew Flynn will be happy about that because yeah. FIFA buffets suck. They're really bad. <laughs> shout, oh. out, shout out to FIFA. You could, I, I you would could learn from Bayern. <laughs> I would have expected more from them, no, but no. Uh, but they've got money to uh, be putting other places, I suppose. Yeah, yeah uh, pockets and suitcases. But let's let's <laughs> talk. We have we have we have we have you have questions to answer. You have questions to answer. Yeah, for a change. Yeah, I, I know. And you know the spiel. I, I give them all of you guys the questions ahead of time. So I start with the first one. Your favorite World Cup moment, Bryce. Well, th- th- this is a bit of a, a tricky one for me because th- th- there's so many World Cup moments. And I, I was explaining to somebody just today that uh, when the World Cup comes around, I don't care who's playing. I could watch every last game. And I've been like that since I, I got into football uh, many years ago. But um, I-, I would say possibly my favorite World well, I, d- I don't know by moment, but my favorite World Cup, which had many moments, was France 1998. So um, I, I don't know whether it's been mentioned already today. I'm looking forward to hearing the podcast. But my reason was that uh, I suppose my first World Cup memory was my dad watching the 94 World Cup final and me saying who was in it. And he said, you know, Italy or Brazil. Uh, I asked him who he wanted to win. He said Brazil. And, you know, the rest is history. But I was a little bit too young at that stage. I hadn't really got into football. So 1998 was was when I got into it. And I was all about Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo. I mean, he was just absolutely phenomenal. He's 21 years old and really setting the world alight uh, and scoring goals left, right and center. He he was quick. He was powerful. Um, he was deadly in front of goal. He, he, he had it all. And, you know... T- there was many moments, I suppose, with, with the World Cup, and not not just uh, their journey to the final, but uh, which we'll talk a, a little bit a, a about as well. But I mean, even the Nike adverts leading up to it—you know, as a, as a young kid seeing all those Brazilians at the airport kicking the ball around—and you know that that got you excited. And then when the tournament kicked off, you'd you had things like that great Croatia side, you know, Davor Suker, you know, who who finished third, you know, in their iconic checkered shirt. That that was a a, a fantastic, uh, you know, spectacle. And then you had Dennis Bergkamp scoring that absolutely outrageously taken down ball, you know, taking it across the defender and then putting it away against uh, Argentina. That was a memorable goal and. As a Liverpool fan as well, I, I got to see uh, Michael Owen really kind of coming through at that stage, and, and and he scored a fantastic goal against Argentina as well, which is quite memorable for Liverpool fans and, and probably Engl- England fans alike. So there was many moments that can't, we can't rem- uh, forget about the Romanian team coming out with all their bleached blonde hair as well. I mean, just <laughs> so many bizarre <laughs> moments, and um, I, I think it it went right the way through as well to to even the the final. I mean, obviously the the French team were something else, but Brazil were uh, were, were favourites to win it. And then then on the day, you know, when you were watching it, I remember this vividly watching it run in my friend's house and being like, "Oh, Brazil, come on, Brazil." Um, and then it being announced that Ronaldo wasn't in the squad, then he was in the squad, then he wasn't in the squad, and, and he, he turned up on the pitch, and the guy look, the guy couldn't squat down, you know, yeah. you for photos, and nobody really seemed to know what what was going on at that stage, but that he looked rather ill, and 
it, it was a performance by him that you're know, a bit of a ghost performance. He, mm. he wasn't really there. I mean, the most amount of action he's seen was, I think, clattering with Bartes at some stage and almost coming off then. But yeah, obviously France took them apart that day and uh, and, and rightfully so deserved to be champions. Uh, but it, but that was a bit of a letdown. But it added to the drama of the whole competition. I even remember buying a magazine one of these football magazines as you do as a kid and them saying well what was the possible reasons for you know uh, this after this injury and one of one of the things and that it's never left my mind as well and i always laugh about is that they said he was sharing well one of the reasons was they was sharing a room with roberto carlos Uh, (laughs) and apparently roberto carlos was into voodoo magic and was practicing it at night before the games and it, it, it went badly wrong and I just thought that that's just brilliant. So there's no way that that can ever be correct. But no, uh, well, you never know. You know, Roberto Carlos did also head down to to Pakistan to play football there. So well, there's something to it. So is that your favorite and least favorite moment all in one, Bryce? Uh, well, I would say that that was probably my favorite uh moment uh or moment, well, I say of of World Cups. But I I do enjoy them all. I mean, another. Slight favorite would be when I, I went to the World Cup in, in 2010. One of um, my buddies got some tickets. Everyone dropped out. And I said, well, I'll go. But I, I was rather broke. We ended up flying to Johannesburg and getting the, the getting a Jesus bus for 23 hours um, to Cape Town and staying there for a few days. And, I mean, the opener, we seen um, Mexico and, and South Africa draw. And that equalizer by South Africa, I believe the start of the second half, everyone poured onto the streets, going crazy, running in front of the traffic, and that that's just such a memorable moment, and I, I love that those smaller nations just get so excited about it all, but probably my worst moment would be the 2010 football quality, it, it just yeah. wasn't there, it was so poor, I mean we went to three games there, man, we've we seen um, France versus Uruguay, nil-nil We've seen Italy versus Paraguay, 1-1. And then we've seen England versus Algeria, 0-0. And possibly one of the worst games I've ever seen in my life. So that that was a letdown because... Poor Algeria. Everyone is beating up on them. Yeah, well, I, I'd be credit <laughs> to them. But, I mean, Algeria were maybe going into the game going, a draw wouldn't be a bad result or maybe we sneak it here. But England, you know... I mean, really, the, those guys should should be doing a bit better than that. And it wasn't even that you were. I was wanting England to win, but just they just the game was just terrible. It was just terrible. I mean, I've seen three pretty poor games uh, in this lovely new stadium, and Cape Town's a beautiful place. But that probably let me down more than anything else, if I'm being honest, am I? So that I would say was probably my worst moment, uh, apart from Northern Ireland not really qualifying. In a well, for a very long time. Twenty ten seems to be a bit of a of a letdown in general for a lot of people as a tournament. From just from gauging some of the answers and that Algeria game and Algeria as a nation in particular seems to be disappointing a lot of people. But it's just just something that I I've noticed, something I picked up on. Yeah, I mean, I I would imagine for any England. Uh, fans that you, you know you're maybe interviewing, um, I would imagine that this is probably a game that you know, really frustrated them. You know, there's, there, there's that joke about the oil landing on the uh, on the crossbar. 
you know, because it was, there was that little action going on. But I think it was just the fact that I was actually there, mm. you know, and we, we just happened to pick three games at one ground and that, that was it. And yeah, it just it really didn't show up at all. It, it was, it was really, really disappointing. And the whole tournament w- wasn't a great representation of, um, of the World Cup that we get excited by every no. four years, you know. Uh, I mean, I've, I sp- I've spoke to some people, you know, recently and they went, yeah, but it's international football. How, how much can you get excited about it? And I'm just, I'm looking at them with disgust. It's because it. they come from a place that never wins anything. <laughs> Quite possibly, but you know, I'm from Northern Ireland. I love the World Cup, but I suppose yeah, I've got no expectation. You're kind of like a neutral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. That's I'm a good in a place I, to be at. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I just enjoy seeing the little guys do something. Uh, you know, I mean, and and just watching good football. You know, if if there's a a small nation that goes quite far, which we always see one team kind of um, punch above their weight, I quite enjoy that. You know, and if I'm not really Siding for either team, I've got no real allegiance to either. Then I always enjoy the underdog. Is, too. is that well, the, the thing that you're looking forward to the most at this World Cup? I would say so. I would. I would say probably. I mean, as I said, I enjoy watching a- any of the games or mm. absolutely all of them. But uh, I mean, I'm going to purposely uh, pick out uh, Peru. I, I I talked about iconic shirts. You've yeah. got Brazil have an iconic shirt. You've got Croatia have an iconic one. But Peru do as well. Am I expecting much from them? Not really, if I'm being honest, but I, I, I'm just enjoying seeing that shirt back there. And I know it's going to be another small nation, the second smallest nation there. And they're, they're going to be just having the time of their lives, you know, and in with France, Australia and Denmark. Who knows? Maybe they could get second, right? Maybe it's a yeah. long shot, but, you know, that there's, there's teams that they can pick up points off there, I believe. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And apart from that, I suppose the whole spectacle. And Manu, I, I'll probably agree with yourself, um, in saying that, um, I think that Germany will win it. Is, oh. that, is that right prediction? No, I'm in a German angst mode at the moment, Bryce. It happens every, every time before every major tournament. Uh, I go from, I go through stages six months before. I'm pretty confident. Three months before are starting to get the first doubts. About two weeks ahead of the time, I think this team can do absolutely nothing. I'm, well, I'm in the, German angst mode at the moment. <laughs> well, don't, don't, don't worry. You're, you're in the absolute opposite <laughs> mode to what the England fans normally are. <laughs> I've obviously live in England and they normally think they have no expectations. Yeah. Absolutely none. Then they win the two friendlies for the tournament and they go, what if? And they get excited and then they, they drop out or do poorly. But um, I must say that this year, I mean, everyone says to me, oh, yeah, but all the England fans, you know, they, they, you know, they expect to win it and stuff. I guess this year when I've spoke to England fans, they have no expectations. All they say is how terrible they are and that they doubt they'll get much. They, they might get to the first knockout phase and that'll be it. Mm, so I, this, this is one year that, they're really, really playing it down. I know. Could They'll win the, the first year. game and it'll change, right? But, yeah. but I, I, I think England, or I think Germany will win it this year, not just because we do the uh, gag and pressing podcast, but I think that, um, oh. I think the winners of these tournaments are based on having a good defense. And uh, when I look at the teams around them, I don't think Brazil, likes of Argentina, France, maybe even Spain, I don't think they've got the, uh, you know, that back line that Germany do. And I, I think, you know, knockout football, that, that really makes a difference. Fingers crossed, Bryce. Fingers well, crossed. That's it. We'll, we'll see. Time will tell. But I'm excited. But, Manu, you've been asking questions all day. 
So surely we've got to flip this on its head and yes, I'm going back to host mode here. This is what I, I do, right? So, Manu, what, what is your favorite or special moment that, that stands out in, in your football, in your World Cup history in your life? Well, it's got to be that 7-1. Um, you know, <laughs> Not just I, to get a Thomas, yeah. Yeah, no, but it's, if really, if I would say anything else, I'd be lying. I'd be making something up. <laughs> I mean, no one will ever forget where they were when Germany put those seven goals past Brazil. And I remember sitting, um, I was watching that game in, in Victoria because I was heading, um, to Brazil for that final weekend, but the semi final I was still watching in Victoria at a German, at the German club in Victoria, a place that I never ever go to because I don't, I'm actually not a big fan of German expatriates abroad, but I was dragged to this place. Um, wearing a lederhosen and an old 1996 Germany shirt and uh, hanging out with all these old Germans that we're so happy that we showed up because we lowered the average age by about half the average age in that place. <laughs> and um, I ended up having an incredible time. And it was so incredible that even the local television station showed up because Germany were just putting in one after the other. And I, I thought this was... Yeah, so, you know, my friends were playing a trick on me and they were just like somehow managed to put uh, a recording up of and it was all fake. It, it, it was absolutely unbelievable. And I think I will never, ever forget that. And, you know, you knew that after that game that Germany would win the World Cup. There was absolutely no doubt about it for me anyways, that they would get that World Cup because of that result. So for me, that was pretty much that at the moment that decided it all because you could not imagine Germany putting seven past Brazil and then not winning the World Cup. You know that that just that just didn't seem possible. So, um, and if I would just now gram up some different moment, some different historic moment, I think everyone would would call me out for it um, because it would be a lie and that's what that's what it would be. So that's absolutely one hundred percent my favorite moment. Well, I, I suppose we can't be that surprised, but I must say, Manu, it was only um. I think last week I kind of watched the highlights of that game once again. Yeah. And I forgot just how many great German goals there were. Yeah. You're like passing it around the box. I mean, it's almost when you would have expected somebody to take a shot, then they pass it you know, to the man next to them and he'd just slot it home. And there's some outrageously good goals. And yeah, that's all anyone talked about, I think, anywhere. I mean, yeah. in England or anywhere, that's all they were talking about. But Manu, obviously we've, t we've talked about, um, your favorite moment. You, you've, you've got to have at least some, some bad memories, uh, of, of the World Cup. Yeah, it's, it's hard, um, because, between in 1994, of course, the Bulgaria moment, that was my first World Cup. I still don't understand how Germany lost that game and what Ike Hessler was doing in that war. But Rick just picked that moment, so I don't want to steal um, his sandwich. Um, 1998, Croatia. And to be honest, um, I didn't have very many expectations for Germany in 1998 anyways, and I was mostly following Brazil. Brazil were the side that I enjoyed watching the most. I was a huge Ronaldo fan as a kid. Um, I had a shirt, you know, that original yellow shirt that they brought out, Nike brought out in 1998. I had that too. Yeah, I had that too. Still <laughs> have it. Mine is still in mint condition, and my mom was very smart. She bought it in extra large, so it actually still fits. Um, and uh, I still wear it from occasions at the gym, for example, because it's, it's, it's it, for me, Ronaldo is uh, the original Ronaldo. When he was in his prime, he was, that was the best footballer that ever played in this planet. Of course, there were people arguing left, right, and center that I'm wrong. I don't care. He was. Um, and um, it's actually interesting that the 1998, when Germany went out against Croatia, I kind of shrugged my shoulders and kind of expected it. 
So um, I think Ronaldo, he gave me, when he didn't play well in that final, um, it kind of, you know, it kind of shattered my dreams a little bit because I really thought he would win it. Uh, funnily enough, I don't want to steal your sandwich either because you kind of mentioned this already. So I'm going to go with my biggest disappointment. It was actually caused by Ronaldo, and this was in 2002 when he scored that goal against Oliver Kahn. And um, it was somewhat disappointing for me because Germany had that perfect run at that World Cup. Absolutely perfect run. And one of my other idols as a goalkeeper was Oliver Kahn. And he stood on his head at this tournament. He was fabulous. And um, I have not watched that final until actually about two days ago again because I was very, for some reason, the 2002 final against Brazil really hurt me. And I, all I remember is I always thinking about how bad that Germany were and they really only got to the final because of Oliver Kahn. But I actually watched the full final the other day, Bryce, and Germany were really good in that final, um, which probably is one of the reasons why I have such bad memories of it because Germany actually had a chance winning it. And then, of course, the fact that Michael Ballack was left out because of that double yellow booging, right? Um, I really feel, now looking back and having rewatched that final, Germany were pretty good had a pretty good team um interestingly enough and yeah that that moment in the in the 67th minute when the ball slipped to Khan's hat hands and uh Ronaldo put in the rebound that's probably my disappoint most disappointing moment uh, in World Cup history yeah again I suppose I'm not that surprised you know you, you and I being similar ages that you know it, it's going to be ab about these your know, tournaments you when we were you know, just get you. Know, football was our, our is is still very much your life. But you know, at that age as a kid, you're you're just fanatical about it. You know, and and that that was a really hard. That was a real sucker punch. I I feel for Ken and the German side. I mean, you have to give Ronaldo a bit of credit for. He, oh yeah, He absolutely. went and won the ball back, didn't he? And yeah. you know, then chased down the keeper. But um, and Brazil yeah, deserved winning that World Cup. No doubt about it. They really did. Yeah, it, it it was it was almost credit to him as well coming back from from the injuries that he had. I mean, as you mentioned, you think he's one of the best footballers maybe ever, and you know I I, I find it it hard to argue that you know, but mm. it, unfortunately he was plagued by injury and he came back so many times, but it it did. Yeah, I mean he only had about three hundred games in his career, which is mm. such a shame, you know. But um, Manu, that, then that brings us to uh, what are you looking forward to in the upcoming World Cup? Uh, in the next few days, we it all kicks off, eh? The whole spectacle of it, um, all the people traveling to Russia and just experience Russia the same way that I have for the last fifteen years that I have traveled to the country. So I really just wish everyone has enjoys the place and uh, sees Russia and takes takes things away from Russia that are different than what mainstream media tells them. That's really what I want people to take away from it and maybe break down misconceptions, not just about Russia, but all the other countries that are going to the World Cup. Go out there, meet people, make friends, um, talk to each other, even if you speak different languages. Break down those barriers. There's so many barriers going up around the world right now and that is a good opportunity to break some of them down and that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I mean the the spectacle of a World Cup. There's there's nothing quite um, compares to it. Is there? You know, yeah. when you're a football fan. I mean, uh, I, as I said, if I was a young kid, I would be at home trying to watch absolutely every game. I just love it. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bryce, that's it. 
That's nah. it. Thank you fun. for thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll be going on our normal regular co-host guest kind of thing very soon. Oh um, yes. Once again, everyone, Bryce done. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Well, that is it. Um, there were all our guests on this show. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this World Cup. Please make sure to follow follow at Football Grad Live. You can find me at Manuel Web. We're going to have tons and tons of content about this World Cup on Football Grad. And um, anyone going to this tournament, I wish you to enjoy this tournament. I wish you to take something different away from this country, from Russia, a country that I've been work working towards this World Cup for a very long time. And uh, I'm excited and you should be as well. And uh, make sure to follow us. Check us out on Acast, on Facebook, on Instagram. We're all over there. Um, until next week, das Vidanje. the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.